0: So I've been sitting on today's episode for a couple of months now. Uh, it's been in the backlog and um, I'm particularly excited to share this one because um, today's guest is someone who is very successful in both business and martial arts. Um, I think he has a higher vantage point, um, and it was a real pleasure to sit and dig into um, his mind and his mentality. And some of his experiences, and I was really grateful to just have this one kind of perfectly line up. Um, as many of you know, I made a trip over to um, Alice Springs and Uluru uh, in September, and um, of course, you know, it was like a tap on the shoulder, being like, "Hey, by the way, Tom Boyle's up uh, up in the Northern Territory." So, what a perfect time to finally um meet someone who I've heard so much about. Um, yeah, so I'm really amped to share this one with you. I want to make an apology to you guys, the listeners, and to Tom as well. Um, I thought I'd get a little bit fancy and try and record off a different device to normal, um, which had a fancy interview setting on it. Um, which in testing was perfect, but in execution Uh, It wasn't so great. So the sound quality is a little bit, um, how you going? Um, There's a little bit of kind of, I don't know, it's a bit up and down. So I do apologize to both you guys and to Tom. Um, Also, old mate in the background had a little coughing fit at one stage. Uh, I did my best to kind of crop out as much of it as I could. But uh, unfortunately, there is a little bit of that going on um, as Tom is speaking um so maybe just kind of have your hand at the ready by the volume switch to to turn it up and down as you see fit oh um super professional, brie well done swish um the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we kick off is I wanted to give a quick shout out to Patty Brown over at gorilla Cast. Um, Patty helped me out here because, I mean, as I've mentioned, and I'm willing to be completely transparent in this, um, Tom Boyle uh, and his kind of, I guess, uh, movement, through the Adelaide combat sports scene is a little bit more before my time I'm still very much an infant in the combat sports scene a passionate infant but an infant nonetheless um, and so Patty actually um, obviously given his and Tom's um, close friendship um, hooked me up with some some details and some kind of like key, Points of reference that I could use in today's episode. Um, so a big shout out to Patty Brown over at Gorilla Cast. These guys are um, also doing big things in uh, in sharing and helping to grow the local combat sports scene. And um, you know, to all of you, um, get behind these guys and and support them as well because you know every little bit counts. And I've been harping on of late. Never ever discount. Um, the impact that you sharing your voice can have in, in helping to create the ripple effect. Um, so, without further ado, episode 88 of the Live Free Experience podcast with yours truly, your host, Brianna Bowley, joined by Tom Boyle. Let's get this show on the road. All right, Tom Boyle, how are we? I'm great. Thanks, mate. That's good. That's good. Um, first of all, thanks for welcoming, in, welcoming me into the gym. Um, it's good to finally put a face to the name. Same. Beautiful. So, yeah, let's start off. Um, you know, obviously you've got a strong Muay Thai background. Um, what got you started?
1: Um, well, it's probably a pretty long story now. It's coming back oh, no, over over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so I reckon I was, yeah, I was about 19 or 20 at the time. been going through a bit of a rough time in my life, and I kind of... Uh, I had set myself up as like a bit of a victim mentality mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, something, something happened and I couldn't really look after myself and I, I said to myself, well, it's time to change that and, yeah. Um, yeah, like I'd heard about it from a mate who'd had a fight and I went out and watched him at uh, a show in Golden Grove yep. and just instantly fell in love with it and I was like, that's what I want to do.
2: Beautiful.
1: And, um, yeah, not long after I walked in the south side yep. uh, when they were at... The big purple building on Marion Road, mm-hmm. which is the Revive Centre now. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I got my start. I'm just
0: training hard from then. There you go. So, what was the turnaround in terms of when you when you saw the fight? You know, when you first saw Muay Thai and then got in the ring yourself.
1: Look, I, I think I I was training for about between six and eight months.
0: Yeah. Okay. So very quickly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, once I was training a Barry and Car. Once I got in. It was the hardest, most rewarding thing I'd ever done. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, I've never done anything this ridiculous. Yeah. you know, I had had been fortunate enough to play, like, good level basketball and stuff like that, and I just thought nothing compares to this.
0: Yeah, okay. And,
1: um, yeah, like, like, hard sparring. Like, that was the thing about Southside. It was, like, you're definitely prepared because yeah. a lot of the other gyms I've ever been to, like, technical sparring, there's only a few that really do it hard. Yep. And I know, like, every Friday night at Southside was was fight night yeah and um yeah you had to learn quick yeah, okay. so like by the time you know by the time I'd been doing it for six to eight months I was yeah I was yeah, pretty cool. pretty ready
0: <laughs> so you knew instantly like when you watch Muay Thai that you wanted to fight or yeah
1: it was like an obsession thing yeah, really okay. like it's oh, I don't know once you get bit by the Muay Thai bug it's
0: oh yeah
1: it's you know it's hard and fast and yeah that was that was the thing you know all the guys I'd idolized and like John Wayne Pars and you watch yeah. all these videos and that was back when probably YouTube was just getting big and, yep. you know, that's that was my Friday nights and Saturday nights. That's what it was yep. like when I wasn't training Thai boxing. I was thinking about Thai boxing.
0: Yeah.
1: And that just it just consumed me. Yeah.
0: yeah. I find um, there's two types of people. There's the people, I mean, most people when they first watch Muay Thai, they they seem to fall in love with it. Like you said, it's kind of an addictive sport. But, um, you know, people either it's something that they want to train heavily or they just instantly, yep, I want to fight, you know, that's yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting
2: seeing the dynamic of,
1: of whether it's it's straight in or it's you know. Oh mate, and like by, by any rights, like I don't pretend that I was tough. Like I didn't have a hard upbringing. I wasn't you know wasn't meant to be a fighter. You yeah. know, I probably was meant to be the opposite. And um, it was just one of those things. Like once I did it, yeah, the whole process of breaking myself down to nothing. Yeah, you know, and I can remember that point in training for my first fight where I just literally sobbed on the ground. You know and and couldn't do anymore. Yeah, and then building yourself up, you yeah. know. And then once you've hit rock bottom, you build yourself up, and nothing can hurt you. you know? Yeah, that's that's the stuff I loved about it because yeah. nothing ever seemed as bad as the worst. Yeah, night of training I ever had.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay. So looking at that, then, because I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, what I love about mar- uh, any martial arts is that the lessons you learn on the mats or in the ring or whatever it may be. Um, often kind of set you up with when you've been through that like you said when you've been through rock bottom you kind of realize exactly what you're capable of and th- and that kind of from training then uh has a ripple effect into life so
1: oh definitely like I wouldn't you know that's where i got my confidence from for yep. anything I do yep. whether it's you know the businesses I run or yeah whether I'm training fighters or anything like that like
2: yep.
1: take the same mentality into it that and that confidence was based on hard work, yeah, you know. Beautiful. And that's really the mantra I've lived my life by, like, regardless of what's going on in my personal life or whatever, um, hard work is what gets you through it, yeah. and, you know. And we try to, like, that's what I try to push on everyone that is around me. Like, you can't skip, you know, yeah. cut corners.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, especially for guys that, like, I'm, I probably had a natural Talent for it, it's like in that I could pick up skills very quickly. Yeah. But I'm not, I wasn't tough, you know, I had to build that.
2: Yeah, yeah. A lot of
1: guys, you know, and that's what I'm trying to, that's the hardest bit of it is like we need to find and make people tough and that's done mm. through hard work.
2: Yeah. And that's the
1: most transferable life skill yep. that you can ever develop.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. You know? My dad always said, you know, the harder I worked, the luckier I got.
2: And
0: I, oh, yeah.
1: And I've lived by that my whole life. Yeah. You know? yeah. Regardless of what's happening.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a motto that I like to live live by myself. Yeah, it's an important one. Beautiful. Okay, so you mentioned there briefly um, businesses. Can you run us through uh, what your business background is?
1: Yeah, well, I um, like originally got my first taste of business when I was working for government and I was in like a trade and economic development role. Mm-hmm. Um, started off in a traineeship and then fell in love with the idea of business and economics because that's what we were facilitating in, mm-hmm. in the state. And I was, I was only young and I had the opportunity for a package to come up and uh, I took it started my PT business, um, which was called Pumped Training and Conditioning in its original form. Yep. Um, I did that out of Southside until I'd finished up my relationship with Southside. Yep. Then ran it out my shed, um, you know, and that was the most exciting times for business because it
2: was very raw
1: and new. And yeah. Like I'd drive to Norwood for one PT session. Yeah. And I'd do whatever I possibly could to market it. Yeah. I used to call it, you know, like slap marketing because I was, <laughs> I was fucking, I was everywhere, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like if I could get there, I would. Yep. And, you know, I got to the point where I was too big, um, getting too big for my shed at home, mm-hmm. you know, and was my brother and I were like, let's try and open a gym. Mm-hmm. So we opened a gym in, I think its original form was
2: 2011. Yep. And uh, that was
1: at a shopping centre just down the road from where we are now. Yep. And, yeah, within three years we'd outgrown that. Yep. And then we opened the big one at the top of the hill. Uh, probably four years ago now. Yeah. And like, you know, that's that's been a whirlwind of like the market not really being right for it at the time.
2: Yeah. Because no one
1: was really doing besides Aruda,
2: yep.
1: had done a really massive commercial yep. martial arts facility um in the state.
2: Yeah.
1: And it was kind of based on a model they were doing in Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. So we thought, fuck it, you know, we'll get investors. Yep. We went for it and, you know, like we're doing we're doing well. Like it's coming up to ten years, I've had pumped in one form or another. Yeah, like it's bigger now. I've got business partners and things like that. Beautiful. But that's allowed me to step away, and I've started the striking academy mm-hmm. um, here in Alice, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of got me back to to like a love job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the, the running of the pumped, I like pumped was really taxing on me.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, it cost a lot personally, financially, like everything, and. I needed to step away from it when it got to a point that I could. Mm-hmm. And that's why I came came back to Alice, came home. Yep. And I wanted to do the same thing, but on a scale I could manage and have fun with. Yeah. So between those two businesses, um, you know, I'm involved with uh, like an air conditioning refrigeration company here in Alice Springs. Yep. Um, I'm finishing my electrical apprenticeship and with the, you know, obviously to take over that one day.
2: Yeah.
1: So yeah, well, I'm just sort of balls to the wall with it, there
2: with it all go. at the moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. And like, I just, I love the idea of creating something. Like, it's It's never been really about the money. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like money money drives a lot of people, and it's, but it's trivial in mm-hmm. the scheme of things because, like, we live in a time now where if I have an idea, I can make it reality, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I wrote the words pumped down on paper, you know, and it was nothing. I was in yeah. the back room of my house and I thought, you know, maybe I can do this, you know, wide-eyed optimism. Yeah and you go, like, and then eventually it's, you know, it's something, it's a gym,
2: yeah. like, you've
1: got clients. Yeah. You know, you're riding every single client, like, when they leave, you take it personally, when, yep. all that. And then, you know, we got to the point where, you know, at one stage we had two or th- we had four separate Australian champions, two state champions and things like that and that's, you know, I think yeah. that's been the ultimate stuff of the journey, like, the best yeah. bits about it. Yeah. Especially when a lot of people probably were very negative towards whether we could do it or not, whether we were credible or not, Mm -hmm. whether we had the skills to do it. And, you know, that's kind of to see it all come to fruition and create something special. And, like, it's really quite amazing.
0: Yeah. As a uh, fellow business owner, I so connect with the, you know, that the story you said there about, you know, when you first wrote down the words on the paper and then when you start to see it all come to life. I mean I still get goosebumps when I see someone, you know, with a with a sticker with my logo on it or, you know, mm. those, those small little wins and yeah, it's it's a cool feeling. So oh, mate. and it's it.
1: you know, like there's like well, for me it's been like not just about the running the businesses, it's like showing people that it can be done.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and like I've taken great pride in like talking guys like into, like Pinky and that to, to do it, and I've supported you know Pinky as much as I can to get that dream up and running. Like Patty Brown, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing people like you know boys has been around forever, but seeing them get so big, yeah. Red Stars and Strong Hearts, and like these are all people that we all had the same dream,
2: yeah.
1: Right? And I feel like in that industry, sometimes people might think like a bit secular, you know, like yep. it's like we're all separate, yeah, but we all were in this together. Mm. And, yeah. like, we all support each other whether yes, we like it or not. exactly. You know, and that's really amazing to see. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's an exciting industry. Definitely. Regardless of whether so-and-so's talking shit about someone because they're fighting them or whatever, like, at the end of the day, we're all – Martial artists, and that's exactly that's it. We dedicate our lives to it. Yeah.
0: And if, if one gym grows, we all grow. Yeah, you know? exactly. And if one, uh, if one individual athlete from this gym is, is, you know, killing it, then every other athlete has to step up in order to match them. Yeah. So, oh, look, mate, uh,
1: I'm, I'm extremely like, I'm extremely proud of how far South Australian, especially Thai boxing and martial arts and combat sports, has come yeah. even since I started. like... It's kind of mind-boggling to think that we've got not it just needs a Fury now. Yeah. You know, it shows them wala, well, You've got combat sport promotions. You've got Carly's Pride series. Like yeah. It just really shows you that the economy yeah. for martial arts is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't really.
2: Yeah.
1: Back when I started. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. They were kind of all pipe dreams to think that you can have this massive gym and have you know have it full of people. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: So you use the term, and I, and I like this term, the slut marketing. Um, I mean, something we're really trying to push, and obviously this podcast is kind of part of that, but, but something we're trying to really push is to get athletes and coaches and promoters and, and everyone, you know, as both individuals and companies to understand that, you know, it is about promoting yourself and there's nothing wrong with promoting yourself. So what is your take in that? I mean, obviously you see the importance of it, so.
1: Oh, look, I, I am all for, I am all for, promoting people's brands Mm -hmm. i feel though that a lot of what i'm seeing now is that people actually need to start fucking doing stuff first yeah you know what i mean if you're hitting someone up for sponsorship and you've had Mm -hmm. one fucking fight then you're kidding yourself and you're kidding them Mm -hmm. like we need to create people like as as it is in life that unless you're executing Mm -hmm. You know, unless you've had a few fights and you've won a few fights, and you're looking promising, and that there's some brand equity for that person to get involved with you.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, then then you're kidding yourself.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but I think that the skills, like we need to think about it like business, mm-hmm. because at, at the end of the day, um, and I think Israel Adesanya said it. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you do this for free?
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Exactly. Why would you fight for free?
0: Exactly. You know,
1: you start off because you love it. You keep going with it because one, they get like. I'll put it this way. The night I fought, I think it was Jason Altman for a WMC state title, mm-hmm. Israel was fighting, I think, Charles August. I think it was yep. the same show.
2: Yeah.
1: I was talking to Charles at the back and I said, oh, do you still get nervous, you know, and he's had, what, 50 fights at the time, yep. two-time world champion. like. He goes, mate, it's still the exact fucking same time. Every time he goes, it gets worse, though. You know, the crowds get bigger. Yeah. The opponents get better.
2: Yep. you know
1: people talk shit about you if you lose like yep. saying you're washed up and stuff like that and this is a guy that used to, like i watched my whole when i started putting people to sleep left right and center
2: yeah
1: you know so like that's what i'm talking about we get to a point where i've always felt like people do are actually fighting after around 10 fights mm-hmm. the first 10 are like what's going on mm-hmm. and after that you kind of get into strategy and you can yeah. move and think and you know put the pieces together mm. so I find like that's where we need to start building brands yeah when people are delivering on stuff
0: yeah yeah definitely you know, yeah. I mean, that's
1: where the value is yeah. on, on the other side of of not just being an athlete getting sponsored because yeah it's great to get free shit <laughs> you know but unless you can deliver on that
0: exactly yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah like I know yeah. when
1: we worked with x speed like and I was sponsored by x speed a couple of different times yeah like there was a relationship there where all I was doing was selling their gear
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when we fit out the new gym, all we did try to do was buy all their gear. Yep.
2: Um,
1: You know, and they've been amazing in supporting South Australian martial arts. Mm Yeah. You know, and their brand Mm -hmm. is huge now Mm -hmm. because of it. Yeah. Like, because they support everyone. Mm -hmm. So, I think it needs to work the other way too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like,
1: you know, if you're getting sponsored by someone, if you own a gym, you buy all your shit from them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Good answer. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, um... Obviously, you've had a, a very successful fight career. Um, can we kind of touch on that? You're, yeah. you're a little bit before, if, I, if I'm honest, you're a little bit before my time in terms of when I came into the martial arts scene, so I never got to kind of catch much of your uh, much of your career. So how many fights have you had?
1: I had 19 fights with 13 wins. But, Beautiful. yeah, what my, I kind of did it probably, probably the wrong way mm-hmm. in that. Well, I was one of the guys that couldn't. String two fights together in a row, and I'd have breaks in between. Yep. And so over like over the space of ten years, mm-hmm. you know, like I fought quality guys. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say that that I didn't back down from from people. Wasn't scared to fight anyone. Yep. You know, and in that short time of of that nineteen fights, I had, you know, represented Australia three times. Wow. Um, I got an IKBF Australian middleweight title.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and both the WMC and WKA light heavyweight state yep. titles. So, like, I was very fortunate that. You know, fighting. You know, At the time, it was me and Jason Altman fighting for those two belts, you know, yep. and I was lucky enough to beat, you know, beat him twice. Yep. Um, it was a bit iffy on the second time um, because he broke my sternum in the first round. Yeah, I've cra- been
0: told about that one. Yeah, he cracked all my
1: cartilage in, in the first round. And, um, yeah, I can remember being on, on my knees and this fucking kid yelling out in the crowd, finish him off, Jason.
2: Oh.
1: And I was thinking, and I thought to myself, oh, shit, like I can't. Do this i trying too hard
2: yeah
1: and then you know second round I sort of started moving more and I, I hit him with this awesome push kick to the face and broke his nose and yeah and then we kind of finished it off probably in the third early in the third yeah but you know like he was quality quality yeah. opponent, and he just got tougher and tougher every time I fought him yeah and um you know but originally like I'd fought for like state title eliminators and lost yeah you know yeah. like I'd had my first pro fight after eight days' notice. knock going had eleven fights or something like that. And fought Marco Tentori, who Matty Stevens just beat
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, in a four-man or eight-man.
2: Yep, eight-man. Eight
1: yeah. Yeah. So like, and I took that. I wasn't even training before that. Yeah. You know,
0: so I kind of did it the wrong
1: way. Yep. One one was a bit of a tough slog.
0: Yeah. So when you, because uh, I've, I've, as I said, I've had that mentioned to me a couple of times about the broken sternum. Um, when, when that happened, did you know it was broken? Like it was, was it the kind of in- oh, injury where you knew?
1: Well, when he, when he kicked me, it was like, yeah, it was a bit of shock because he dropped me just straight away. So yep. I kind of thought he just winded me.
0: Yep.
2: And
1: um, so I got A-counted for that. And yep. then I got saved by the bell. But just before that bell, he hit me in the same spot with his knee. He grabbed me, sort of clinched me in the co- against the ropes and he kneed me in the chest and, and folded me over again. And then yeah, sorta of took took my eight seconds and then got up and got saved by the bell. Yeah. And then uh, Richie Elliott <laughs> gave me a bit of a chat. Yeah. As he does and sort of grabbed me and he said, you know, I gave up my time for my wife, I gave up my time for my kids. Yeah. And this is how you fucking treat me. You bring me out of my house for this shit. Yeah. Which well, he gave it to me like that's probably <laughs> saying it nicely, and, and then yeah I was like I'm sorry I fucking went out started moving more and yeah you know put some shots on him and yeah then got the win but like we tried to go out for a couple of drinks after and I probably got halfway through the first beer and I was like my my ribs are broken or something
2: yeah because like, I'm fucked yeah you
1: know? and then yeah we got a X-ray I think the next day and um. Yeah, showed them, they basically said it cracked on my cartilage in my sternum, um, which stops your ribs from breaking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's your body's way to protect your, your vital organs, so. Dang. Yeah, but I'd, I'd had quite, yeah, I was always getting cut or injured or something like that. Like,
2: yeah.
1: I think we were like, my first two ribs got broken at training. Um, so did my second two ribs, actually, on the other side. So, and then the sternum, I had six staples in my head when I fought Tentori. Um, he opened me up with an elbow you could basically see my skull. Yep. So, yeah, that wasn't too fun.
2: blew
1: up my eye from that too. Uh, when I fought in Bangkok, they, the guy from Spain, my second fight, he kneed me in the face and split, split my eyebrow open and that was seven stitches. I fought Jai Demeric for, uh, the WMC Eliminator. He... I just got lazy in the fifth round after dropping him with a head kick in the first. And I just got lazy and he just stepped over and elbowed me in the top of the head and, and split me over there so I had another st- stitch in there. So, Dang. you know, I definitely think I did it at the tough way.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. I can't even imagine trying to trying to fight with a broken <laughs> sternum or a broken rib because I, uh, I mean, I've popped a rib out once and it was freaking horrible pain.
1: Oh look I think I think there's a lot of there's probably a lot of things there. It's um well me and me and Jason's had probably like a healthy little rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um like we get along together, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's kinda of, we just had that rivalry. Yeah. And we've always wanted to smash each other. Yeah. I think. Um yeah. I can't speak for him but <laughs> Jason, I've always wanted to smash you. <laughs> so it's you know, it's one of those things that it was I kind of was like pride. Yeah. And like I can honestly say that unless you know, I was broken down like I was at Southside every Friday night and yeah.
2: and the trainings
1: were brutal. Yeah. Then I wouldn't have been able to get up from stuff like
0: that. Yeah,
2: go, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: That's that's what kind of gave me my foundation.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: go yeah. So the transition from fighter to coach, was there an overlap at all or was uh, that...
1: yeah, I was still fighting while yep. I was coaching, yeah. Yep. Just yeah. So
0: what was that like having to juggle the two? Uh,
1: stressful. Yeah, it's very stressful. Like yep. right. um because it's like but I think fighters realise, until you try to, until you become a coach, mm. that you're actually very, very selfish, mm. and um, and not selfish in that you know the common sense of the word, like that you actually want lots. Mm. You know, you demand a lot of time off of that person mm. for really not being, not paying them. Yeah. You know, and basically just hoping that they can teach you whatever they can teach you.
2: Yep.
1: So that's kind of where the fighting fizzled out for a little while, because I started off. I had a bit of time off when we started this gym because it was going crazy. And then I came back and fought um, a guy named Meredith Gilbert, Mm -hmm. which, like, he'd had... The first time I fought him, he'd had 35 fights or something like that. Mm -hmm. The second time I fought him, he had 50.
2: So he'd been very active. Yep.
1: And, um, like, no slouch. Fights, Fights good guys, don't, you know. Yep. And sort of coming back from that, and, like, I won that on points, you know, just. Yep. And... Like I was only just making it through these fights mm-hmm. and it was one of those things like I need to be 100% this or 100% that. Mm-hmm. So like initially I only had probably one or two guys while I was fighting. Mm-hmm. So it was like fight, coach. yeah. You know? um, and then I'd stop, stop fighting and basically at one stage I had five guys, five guys on an Ease of Fury card, three of which were in the main event, my main, main card. Mm-hmm. So it was fucking stressful shit. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. yeah tough, to, uh, tough to manage the two. Oh, definitely. At one
1: stage I reckon I had probably 15 or 20 guys training for fights.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Um, which, like, when you're number one pad holder, unless you've got good support around you, or people yeah. that can hold pads yeah, yeah. how you want them to,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it makes it very, very hard.
0: Yeah. So what is the difference then in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, mentality, I suppose, in terms of being a fighter and being a coach?
1: Selfish and selfless. Yep. I think that's probably the two words I'd use. As a coach, um, you you know, when they win, you don't get the glory, you know, but you've put just as many hours in as they have. Um, I think it was one of those things where it's like, you know, and I made mistakes as a coach, definitely. Like I probably put guys in that um, probably weren't exactly ready um, to where they should be. Mm Or they were mismatches or things like that, but that's stuff you learn as a coach. Like I trained them the best I thought that they needed. Yep. Um, But at the time, you know, the match probably wasn't right. Yeah. So it's like it's like all those learning curves you go through. Like you have to make mistakes to learn from them. I think that's that's the main thing.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. And what was the uh, experience like um, fighting overseas and representing Australia then?
1: Yeah, like it was amazing. Like when I. You know, we nominated for my first Australian team when I'd had only four fights or something like that, and that was, go. I think that was 2010, yep. in Bangkok, yep.
2: um,
1: and that was probably my most successful, like, world championship run, like, I beat a Japanese guy, knocked him out in the second round, and then nice. lost, like, a split decision against a dude from Spain, Yep. Um, and then, like, just the people you meet, like, you go over to those comps, and meet all the best guys from around this country,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but, you know, I got to meet Borkow, Yodson Clyde, Dokan Saki, um, Errol Zimmerman, like, guys that were big in K1 back right yep. then, you know, this is almost 10 years ago, like yep. K1 was still was still cranking then, yep. um, and that, that was awesome, like, the exposure,
2: like
1: Yeah. Darren um, Reese from Riddlers was the yeah, yep. head coach, like, you're talking big name guys, yeah. that, you know, trying to get a bit starstruck. Yeah. Um, and that like, that was awesome. Like 2012, like Russia was probably one I'd, I'd like to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, obviously, around the time I was sort of fighting with my trainers um, and I'd ended up in the weight class below what I normally find it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I rocked up 10 or 11 kilos overweight. Mm-hmm. Had to lose that in four days. Ooh. Keep it off for another four days. Dang. So it was pretty dehydrated for eight days. Yeah. That's rough. That's, yeah, like, I know I made, made weight the first day by 100 grams. Mm-hmm. The second time I made it by 50. So,
2: yeah. And then
1: I basically thought, shit, I'm going to eat now. Yeah. Um, had some food.
2: Yeah.
1: Almost, like my guts just went crazy. Yeah. Just thought I was going to die. And it came good at about two o'clock and I think I fought at three. So, wow. literally just trying not to die.
0: Yeah. <laughs> shit.
1: Yeah, it was fucking horrible.
0: So, what's then, uh, what's your viewpoint on weight cutting then? Having experienced
1: that. Be prepared. Yeah, yeah. like well, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, like, the, probably the best cut I ever had was the, the fight that never came about. Yep. And that was probably the last. I was supposed to fight Jason Altman again yep. to defend my WMC title. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he didn't work out in the end. I basically had an awesome camp. was on way two weeks out. Yeah. I like, was feeling like I could murder someone. Yep. And then he broke his nose the week of sparring or the week before. Yeah. And it's, yeah, broke my heart.
2: Yep.
1: So, like, but in saying that, like, the preparation is the key. Like, yeah. Like, if you keep, you know, if you keep roughly on weight, mm-hmm. don't eat shit all the time, mm-hmm. and still enjoy yourself, but.
0: Yeah,
1: yep. Um, then the weight cuts, you know, within two or three kilos, and mm. no worries. Yeah, yep. You know, but I, trust me, I did a lot of weight cuts that were 10, 10 kilos.
0: Scary stuff.
1: Yeah. But the, like the worst, that one in Russia was horrible. Like, mm. my skin was so dry that my scabs were breaking open. Like, old scar tissue. Wow.
0: Yeah, like I was Shit, just, I that's was in, full on. I was
1: in a bad, bad place, yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, I've come from a uh, a fitness modeling, b- bodybuilding kind yeah. of background, and obviously we did a lot of uh, water depletion and that sort of thing back in the day, and oh, that dehydration yeah. is tough. I mean, I think we did. So we'd water load for, uh, what was that, about a week, and then I think uh, two days out we'd taper off on the water and then, yeah, the last day, the, so the night, well, yeah, the day before the comp, we'd, we'd just have nothing. And I remember waking up on the morning of comp and feeling, you know, like your mouth feels like a, an ashtray and, oh, yeah, yeah, and your joints hurt from how dehydrated you are. And... Oh,
1: look, it's, you know, I think the best program and it works different for everyone. Like, I think I've possibly tried everything. Yep. And the one that worked the best for me was probably just like a high-fat diet yep. um, with, like, carb timing. So timing carbs around All my trainings were So yep. that At least even I'm depleted I can
2: mm.
1: Have carbs for energy When I train Yeah And then I don't injure myself
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. As
1: well Yeah so We tried We did salt loads We did water loads Yeah Like in all the timing that, Like the water loads work, mm. Worked great
2: Yeah
1: Um, But really Like My first fight Was at 70 kilos
2: mm-hmm.
1: My last fight Was at I think 81 Yeah Yeah So It's kind of you know, you've got to find Find your weight class And try and yeah make sure you stick in it yeah that's it a lot of people do it like you don't really gain anything I mean everyone's scared of like they punch harder at this weight or they move faster at this weight and like they do but if you're not naturally 70 kilos
0: Mm.
1: you know when you go down to 70 kilos you're shit house yeah
0: yeah that's it so we
1: kind of we've got to be smart about it
0: yeah I think
1: savage weight cuts you know should definitely be banned because I know I've probably taken 10 years off my life doing what I've done yeah. It's just and it's just sort of the status quo for the industry really. Mm. It's just a part of it.
0: I think as well, like it hasn't been um, you know, the sport hasn't been around for long enough for us to really know what the long term impact of, of you know, such extreme weight cuts are. I mean, we know obviously the what can happen and the short term damage, but yeah, unfortunately we don't we don't have the stats to know what long term it exactly. is. So, exactly, yeah. well,
1: you know, unfortunately for people that thought they'll find out when they're have 60s or 70s and yeah. know about
0: it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: But look, I think everyone's sort of transitioning to, to be wiser in that yeah. space now. And that, yeah. You know, the nutritionists everywhere and dietitians mm. and everyone's kind of, you know, wised up to it.
2: Definitely.
1: Whereas, you know, like I thought, like a lot of my two-week lead-ups to my flights were like boiled chicken and then I would buy 500-gram blocks of frozen spinach and I would eat that. With the chicken, and I would just eat that for two weeks to make weight.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, wow. Yeah. And I can't yeah. eat fucking spinach anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I'm the same with broccoli. After doing the the bodybuilding, I yeah, I can't can't touch broccoli. It's
1: can't look at it, the texture, uh, the smell. Yep. Face. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. That's how I am with spinach now.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. So, um, what about mentality around performance? What's What's your take on that kind of stuff? You know, the mindset stuff. Do you think that um, it has an impact?
1: Yeah, like, I'd, I'd, hundred percent. Like when I, I'd fought, uh, I was fighting Jai for that state title eliminator. It was, I'd had a problem with, like, getting, the adrenaline, build up, for the fights. Mm-hmm. So, it was, it was like almost like, oh yeah, like you're a bit blasé about, what's gonna, like, what's gonna happen in the fight. You yeah. don't give a shit. Like usually you're, you're chomping at the bit. Mm. I wasn't getting any of that. Yeah. Um, which kind of, you know, I think adrenaline is great for your performance. Mm-hmm. I think it, it keeps you sharp, mm-hmm. you know, keeps you agile. And mm-hmm. I wasn't getting that. So yep. we went and saw a sports psych and we did a lot of visualization stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I didn't really start using it uh, very um, regularly until I met Richie mm-hmm. Elliott and yes. he started training me.
2: Yep.
1: And, um, you know, like we'd go through on the Tuesday night for the training, he'd come to my house, lay down on my couch, and he would. Talked me through this whole visualization of how the fight was going to look, you know, what the weigh-in was yep. going to look like, and I'd record that and listen to it every single night before the fight. So yeah. the concept is that when you get in there,
0: yeah, it's all familiar. You've, you've been
1: there before, yeah. right? Yep. And I was undefeated under Richie. Yeah. You
2: know,
1: I think it was five and zero. Oh
2: yep. Under him, so Beautiful. You know,
1: that kind of shows the you know the power of it. Yeah. I, I think that. You know, if you believe in it, like, and you actually, there is no deviation other than Plan A, yeah. Plan A, you, know, you win. <laughs> then I like. Plus, I've always thought that, like, it'd be controversial <laughs> because people, like, this is not a sport of I think doing your best. Yeah, I think you have to go in there with a the mentality that you win, or you know, that's yeah. it. Because if yeah. you if you lose, you're the first loser. Yeah, that's it. You get hurt.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's one of those things.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So what's uh? Obviously, you've moved up to Alice now. What can I ask? What triggered the move from Adelaide to Alice Springs?
1: Um, yeah, got divorced.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh.
1: Now look, look, it was going through some tough time in my life. Where, yep. You know, like business was just work, work, work. Yep. yep. And whatever, like my personal life, my personal life. But that that was a trigger for like I came home for ten weeks. Yeah. You know, like a month after I finished my wife, I met My now wife, who I've got a a child with.
0: Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, yeah.
1: And, you know, just rocked my world like I wasn't expecting it. Yep. Um, You know, I come out of this really difficult time. Yeah. And things are still fresh and whatever, but it was like, this is where I'm meant to be.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is the only place I've ever been to in the world. I've been on, like, a lot of places that I've at home. So, you know, the lifestyle, people.
2: Yeah.
1: I I love it. Like, I love it, here. Yeah. And I feel like I can have a real impact. Here, like especially inviting,
2: like yeah, yeah,
1: people here do it free, yeah,
2: you know? yeah. Again,
1: like we said, why would, you do it? why would you do it
2: exactly? You know, you can
1: make your career out of it. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'd been back back and forward here, um, like self funding my own trips to do talks at schools and mm-hmm. um, workshops at colleges and things like that. Oh, yeah, go. um, and mm-hmm. I just saw was a real need for something like this, yeah, because it's all good to, to, to do a martial art, um, but I think. A lot of this new generation is wants to fight. Mm-hmm. They want to be active in that space.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's, like, I've got my first fight and due to fight in November. There you go. So, like, it's super exciting. Yeah. An indigenous guy, you know, yeah. actually my brother-in-law.
2: There you go.
1: And, like, he's killing it.
2: Yeah. You know, And he'll be
1: solid in two months. Yeah. And that's what I kind of want to like. Just because we're here in the middle of the desert doesn't mean we're not going to be able to push it with the national the national seed.
0: Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so that's like look,
1: that's, that's really, I came here for lifestyle, came yeah. here for love, really. Yeah. And that's, you know, loving my life, like how, like the jobs I'm doing, you know, being able to scale back on what I was doing in Adelaide because I didn't have a life there,
2: yeah. you know, yeah. at
1: all. Yeah. And, you know, my, I ended up in hospital one time because I'd, I'd worked too much, my liver shut down. Wow. You know, I was working, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning training guys like Lex. Because yep. that's when the only time you could train, and then yep. I'd work all the way through to midnight, right? mm-hmm. and do that every day. Yeah.
0: Wow, full on, cool. So tell us about uh, tell us about the Striking Academy. What uh, what brought that about?
1: Lucky, I actually I started it before I left Adelaide. Okay. And originally the concept was that we sponsored a kid with a lifetime membership um, to the gym. Um, he was actually awarded state. Yep. And um, people had to nominate and things like that. Yep. And I would do training with him. Once or twice a week.
2: Yeah.
1: But the, you know, the main thing was that he he would have an environment that he could be in with people who like when you go to the gym, people are there positive. Yeah. There to be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're there to improve their lives. And this kid had been through absolute hell. Yeah. You know, so that's why it originally started, because I wanted to you know, we were trying to move this focus to the community. Yeah. And that like it's all well and good doing all this stuff. To run a business, but unless you're giving back,
0: yeah, then why, why are you doing it? I just got a big shiver down my yeah. spine. Wow. Yeah.
1: So you don't like, you know, I think the more you give, the more you get in return.
0: That's yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's that's really, you know, the fundamentals of what we're doing here. Like it's ten dollars a class. Mm-hmm. I don't do memberships. I don't yeah. do contracts. I don't want to ever do memberships or contracts. Yeah. Like I want it there for people when they need it.
2: Yeah. And have a
1: positive effect when they need it. And that's that's it. Yeah. You know, because I can be a constant, you know, and I've kind of built the infrastructure here now that we've got guys that train that are constantly there to run classes and be there. And I think that's what a lot of people need. Yeah, They don't need the stress of having a membership. Mm-hmm. They need a place to go see refuge, yeah. you know. And like, like I said, we started off just training. I was just training my wife. Yeah. And my brother-in-law and my sister wanted to get in. And there was four people and then, you know, anywhere up to 33 now. It's crazy.
0: You're doing big things.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's just exciting, mate. Like, I've actually found and got back to what I love doing, like, full circle. Yeah. Because when I left Adelaide, I, I really got to a point where I just hated toy boxing. Yeah. Which I never thought I'd say.
2: Yeah.
1: I hated the gym life. I hated everyone and everything, and I was just fucking over it. Yeah. You know. So, really, like, coming back here was, was a way to find myself. And, yeah. And then it took me a year and a half until
0: like, yeah, I want to get back into it. Mm. So was that the, the kind of hatred of Thai boxing was just, was that just through the grind of the business or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, like anyone who runs a business knows that what you, it takes what you loved and makes it not fun anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the hard thing is to try and keep it.
0: Yeah, you know. keep that fun anyway. but I
1: You know, I probably didn't have the business acumen to separate mm-hmm. business from my love.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: um, that's probably what unraveled me in Adelaide. Yeah. But probably, you know, I was, I was always going to come back here, I think, deep down the side. Yeah.
0: So what, what changed then? What, what, how did you find that balance between uh, the work and the love of it?
1: Um, getting away from it, being able to step back. Yeah. Being able to step back and go, I work on this as a business. I see yeah. this as a business. Yep. Um, you know, we really started the gym with the idea of like having a massive community of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of issues with that. I think when you become close willed these people, they think that they have more rights than people in your own personal life. Yeah. Um, and so we had to really step back from that and go, okay, well, we need to make this stand for itself, mm-hmm. not be reliant on Tom Boyle yeah. or my other business partners or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, because when you are the face of something of your face and then what is that mm. like it's nothing without you yeah and that's not what I got into it for mm-hmm. I wanted to create something that was bigger than bigger than myself yeah you know and that's like here yeah. it is me but mm. but it's scalable yeah you know? I know my scale
2: yeah
1: um, I can control that yeah and if I get four people mm-hmm. I'll still run classes
2: yeah, yeah.
1: if I get one I'll still do it
2: yeah
1: yeah you know? if I didn't get any I'll still just train myself yeah <laughs> simple as that yeah you know, that's that's kind of where I found the love. Being able to separate the business from from the passion, mm. and then you know, I kind of came around full circle. And that's, I think, combat sport does that for everyone. Martial mm-hmm. really, arts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think you can go through the highs and lows of like, I love this, I love
2: this, I love this, and then you're
1: like, I fucking hate this, yep. I hate everything to do with it. Yeah. You know, it's like eating spinach every day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> or know. broccoli. For yeah. Me.
1: Yeah. You kind of, you know, you you get in the motion of it, and then you step back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: I like I also thought that you can't I tried to be everything to everyone else and in turn I became nothing to myself yeah. so I had to go back and figure that out
0: yeah no it sounds like we're in similar places yeah. I mean we were we were speaking before i before we hit record and you know I'm in the process of moving to the Gold Coast myself and I definitely went through the experience of, you know, I love this. I love combat sports. I love everything about it to, you know, just get me away from this scene. And I did. I completely re- removed myself for a short period of time until I figured out kind of uh, what needed to change. And, yeah, mm. um, now I'm in, you know, yeah, similar position oh, as exactly. you where it's okay, let's, let's And that.
1: And that's it, you know. Like I, like I said, I was there. I was in Adelaide for 15 years, you know. like, And then the gym was probably eight eight yeah. years of that. Like, so it, it kind of shows you a timeline. Like I was doing it for a very long time.
2: And, yeah.
1: and like, when people talk about hustling and stuff like that, if it doesn't work in 12 months, they give up. Like, mm. I was hustling that thing for, still yeah. to this day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's a part of it because I know deep down inside that it can have a much bigger impact, mm.
2: you know? Yeah.
1: That it has actually led the way for a lot of people, whether they like it or not, yeah. to believe that they can, they can be successful in business, right? Yeah. You know, like, like the proof is in the pudding. Like, gorilla. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, Paddy come and work for us for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and Paddy was already on, on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, super passionate, super knowledgeable, mm-hmm. knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. And look what he's done.
0: Yeah, you know, he's north. killing it now.
1: And originally that relationship only came about, like, I'd fought Paddy mm-hmm. early on in the piece. Yep. Um, and if he's listening to it, he knows I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's... It's one of those things, like, we had a long, a long history and yeah. he came in, kind of saw what it was like, got a bit of a leg up, yeah. you know, knew what to do and saw that it could happen and believed in himself. Yeah. And, like, him and Luke and, and all that have done great. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, Pinky's killing it. Yeah. Like, guys like that, like, it's so super inspirational to think yeah. that, you know, regardless of, of what happens, like, we had a massive effect and people believe they could do stuff, um, you know, and that's just believing in themselves as well. Yeah,
0: the ripple effect, hey. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Powerful stuff. Okay, so obviously you're running the striking academy now from from a uh, jujitsu gym. Um, is there any chance of a bit of overlap with, with mixed martial arts, or are you sticking purely with Muay Thai? Or, um,
1: oh, I like working with people that um, are enthusiasts in striking. Yep. Um, if they if there's scope for it down the track, yep. definitely. Yeah, you know, like I'd worked with boxers and MMA fighters and tie boxers oh, when I was in go. Adelaide. Okay, life. I didn't know that. Yeah, I worked with a lot a lot of different guys, there um, you go. And girls. You know, yep. so it's the concepts of
0: oh, d- you know, I just sorry, I just yeah. twigged, pumped the d- yeah, 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 MMA.
1: Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've like I worked, you know, but guys from other gyms and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yep. Through yep. Um, the, the mechanics of it, that's yeah. what I'm passionate about the technique. Yeah. Yep. They all have the different sort of nuances, you know, in that yeah. Like how you stand for MMA is different, how you stand in yeah, boxing yeah. Which is different to time boxing.
2: Yeah.
1: But there is sort of parts of those systems that overlap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And the lessons are very similar in some, some parts. Yeah. And that's kind of what you know that's what really I'm passionate about here. And if that if there's scope for that in the future then definitely. Yeah. But I just I'm not going to whole pads all day every day. Yeah. I'd love it.
0: Yeah. So as a as a coach then, how do you navigate that? Because as you said, you know, for MMA, you have to be um, so much more aware of different, you know, um, different moves. You know, of defending different moves and, and whatever else. So how do you how do you navigate that as a coach? You know, MMA versus Muay Thai versus boxing. Yeah, well,
1: I, I guess you gotta don't be afraid to ask people that know more
0: than yeah,
1: really yeah. thinking that you know um, everything shows that you know nothing. Yep. And I've, I think a lot of people, pardon me, in this industry actually have their heads so far up their ass in thinking that, that like, the journey stops because you've been in it for X amount of years or whatever. Like, you constantly learn and you constantly have to let go of yourself and your ego to realise that there's always room for growth.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: And that, you know, like, it was very, very different training MMA guys.
2: You know,
1: the stance is a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. The way they punch and kick and stuff is, you know, they've got to be able to defend takedowns. And, yeah. like, it's totally different. Yeah, Um yeah. Boxers, you know, like, if it's Olympic style, it's different, you know, or if you subscribe to sort of the professional boxing technique, you know, it seems to be a little bit more square stance. Like, so mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, um, like, that process is what, what, I'm, what I'm passionate about.
2: Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: And I think that if people just sort of let themselves go just give themselves to learning mm-hmm. then you can actually become a great coach oh
2: yeah
0: you
1: know? yeah like it's it's actually mind-boggling i still learn yeah to this
0: day yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, that's that's just from being passionate about it
0: yeah i've had the pleasure of uh training at you know muay thai gyms mma gyms jiu-jitsu gyms you know the country like the, over, all over the, the country and you know overseas and whatever else and what i love is that um, everyone, else, everyone gives a, just a slightly different perspective. You know, someone might have a, um, a strong focus on striking. Someone else may have a strong focus on takedown. Someone else may have a strong, you know, focus on um, the business side of, you know, being an athlete because I do think as an athlete you are a business. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool taking that little nugget of gold from each person and just, just taking that slight difference in in perspective
1: well that's I think the best bit about it right that's why you spar with other gyms that's why you do this because so-and-so might spinning kick you one day yeah you didn't know how to defend it yeah
0: yeah
1: and I can actually remember it happened with Kim Johnson right Kim Johnson came when I was at Southside we were sparring and I remember him beating me up against the ropes right and he was just everywhere and I can remember I was in on the ropes, so I didn't know what to do. Cause yeah. Because he was just pumping me. He'd ste- half step off.
2: Yeah. Hit me
1: with another shot. And then he'd move on an angle. And I just thought, it's completely beautiful to watch. Yeah. Him receiving end while he's punching the shit out of me. <laughs> you know? But he, you know, that's why they're him the technician. But I said I said myself, I want some of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want
1: that. Yeah. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I started training with Richie. Yeah. Because Richie was training him at the time. Yeah. With Jeremy. Yep. Um. And it was just like, holy shit.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? But then, like, I, I you know, for me, what Richie, Richie Elliott really was, you know, like everything in my development. Like, I didn't know shit about anything until I met him, and it's probably, you know, when I was able to let go of the ego a bit.
2: Yeah.
1: And go, holy shit, like, my mind is blown.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Like, he just understands it on a, a very different level.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, huge respect to you for being, uh, for being so open to how other people do it because, um, yeah, as you said, I mean, I think people are so caught up in their box of how, how it's always been done that they're not willing to con- willing to consider, you know, that there might be a different way or there yeah. might be a better way or there might be those, those things outside the box that they're not aware of yet. So. Look, at,
2: look at the
1: variety of styles in South Australia right now, right? Yeah. Like, Maddie Stevens has just completely destroyed everyone. Yeah. Right, the whole the whole division. Yep. And that's coming from a taekwondo background.
2: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know. Like but he's learned the fundamentals of the way Rikers mm-hmm. do it. And yep. I think Jeremy's one of the best trainers going around. Mm-hmm. You know, super quiet guy. You yep. never know, he doesn't stand out, but he just gets it done.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and the stuff he teaches them guys, like he's produced champion after champion after champion, and like and it's really his method is amazing. Mm. You know. Pinky's producing guys more authentic style mm. Jordans along that traditional Thai yep. style. Um, Red Star you know, more kickboxing K1. Like, it's very
2: mm. – it's,
1: it's crazy. Yeah. So much growth there. Yeah. Because everyone's got different styles. Like, Paddy's got a very different style. Yeah. Like, very – almost MMA-ish, you know, moves yep. in weird angles and throws weird punches from shit you never knew you could possibly do. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. You know? But when he teaches his guys – He's kind of giving him all these tools yeah. and just going, here, have fun. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Because that's a creationism sort of thing. Yeah. Like, unless you can completely appreciate everyone's, yeah.
2: what they're doing good. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? How are you ever supposed to
0: grow?
1: Exactly. Because, like, you do it your way. You're always the best way. That's right. the most ignorant shit. That will stifle your growth ever.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know? yeah. And that's what everyone needs to let go of. Yep.
0: Yeah. You know? Nailed it. Perfect. So, um, knowing then that you take on, you know, a, a bit of gold from everyone that you do come across, what how, how would you describe your style then?
1: Like, I wouldn't say it's traditional. Yep. I'd say, you know, my focus has really, and I'll give away my trade secrets now because I don't really care. Like, is I focus on the basics, yeah, fundamentals, yeah, because if you don't know how to move, if you don't know how to be in control of your feet, if you don't know how to Fate, like fake in, step out, half step off, mm-hmm. throw your punches with technique, mm-hmm. um, then you really have no hope of doing anything in the ring. Because yeah. I could teach you a million different things. But if your foundation's not there, then you really have nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. I, I would look, mine's fundamental. Yep. Yeah. Fundamental. Perfect. Almost like it's a mould between boxing and tie boxing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like hard one-twos, lead chops. Yeah. Big elbows, things like that. Kind of taken the best things out of what I liked and made it work. Very cool. And probably come from the school of, like, I think that the more I can hit them and the less they can hit me, Mm -hmm. then the better. (laughs) Yeah. cool, And that comes from the movement.
0: Perfect. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up?
1: Um, No, like, it's just a really, really awesome time to be a part of it. Like, you know, like, I'm trying to do in Alice Springs and, be a part of the Northern Territory scene to grow that so that not only does it, it strengthens the scene around Australia mm. like, as well as locally.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that to see what South Australia's done, especially because like, that was my hometown for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's really awesome. Yeah. Like, take my hat off to all the guys doing this stuff there. Yeah. You know, it's it's boom time. Like yeah. we are we are now probably where, where Melbourne was at a point where it's reinventing itself. Mm-hmm. Right. No one used to take Melbourne seriously. And now they've got rebellion. They've got shows every weekend, mm. things like that. That's where Adelaide's about to come. Yeah, that's where South Australia's at. Yeah. So look, it's just I'm just extremely excited for everyone, really.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thank you so much. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to, as I said, finally put a face to the name. And I've heard so much about about you, and you've been recommended for the show so many times. So yeah, it was nice to was actually nice. sit and chat with a you. Absolute
1: pleasure. You know, I always said I was like I'm very lucky that when I was fighting among giants, you know, like the guys that were coming through when I was there really paved the way for, for what's on now. So, you know, now it's the next generation to do it. That's it. the That's exciting. thing.
0: So there we have it. If you want the links for Pumped Gym and Boyle Striking Academy, um, as always, they will be in the podcast notes. I also want to invite you, if you feel called, to check out my work um, with the Live Free group, By searching the Live Free Movement, the Live Free Academy or the Live Free Experience on social media, of course, we are a human optimization brand um, driven by calling people towards their greatest expression of themselves. And finally, if you want to follow along with my personal journey, if you want to follow along with my personal message to explore possibility, then I invite you to search Brianna Bowley on both Facebook and on Instagram. That's B-R-I-A-N-A-B-O-W-L-E-Y. And of course, um, if you feel called to reach out, to chat, um, to share the podcast, to comment like, or if you want to be a guest in the podcast or know someone who might be a suitable guest, um, I'm a real person back here and I endeavor to respond to everyone um, to the best of my ability. So um, inviting you, reach out, send me some love and until next time, what else is possible?